Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name's Jeff Thomas. And uh, if it sounds like I have a cold, you are uh, correct. Do not adjust your uh, microphone. Uh, but uh, it's that season, and so we plow through. And uh, fortunately, we're on Zoom, so I can't give it to anybody uh, who's on the call. But we have a real treat for you this week. We have three guests. Jim DeBose, who you'll remember from uh, episode 18, everyone's favorite, as he tried to remind me. Uh, and uh, he is a former partner at uh, Madison Capital and Creative Foundation. We'll get to him in a moment. Our other two guests are Jennifer Fear and also David Tilden, who are friends. We're going to get to them both. But Jim, let's start with you, and then we'll get to the other folks. Maybe people can't quite remember a year and a half ago when we did that podcast, uh, or they haven't listened to it lately. Uh, you left Madison and, and set up this foundation. What were This was kind of early days, and so th- this podcast is almost like a, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but uh, Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story, you know? What happens once you have this great idea, you set this thing up, you put it in motion, uh, cool stories could evolve. And this is just one of those cool stories that I think is a waterfall effect. So Jim, maybe talk about the foundation a little bit. What were the objectives and how did you find Jennifer in this? Yeah. Hey, good to be with you again, Jeff. And yeah, I mean, last time we were together, I think, uh, I think basically the premise of the show was, you know, started this foundation, had no idea what I was doing. And I'm a little further along, but still, in a large respect, uh, it is a journey and having a lot of fun with it. But the foundation itself, conservation, education, opportunity, way of giving back through some tenets that are near and dear to me. And The premise of what we do is based on Whitman's poem, This is What You Shall Do. I won't bore everybody here with it, but uh, it's it's an aspirational way to live a life. And we thought a a aspirational way to set up a foundation and to give back and mapped out real well with the tenants. So, you know, going back to just starting out having no idea what, you know, we were doing, we being, you know, myself, my wife, Kate. And Chris Andrew, who's our operations director, you know, we set it up and we mapped out sort of what we thought we wanted to do in terms of giving, in terms of scholarships. And we got some of those off the ground and, you know, word got out. And, you know, I'll try to be brief here, let you get to the real stars of, of, of this podcast. But Dave Tilden and I went to high school and you'll, you'll hear who Dave is here in a second and his relation to Fearsome. But I think... Dave, I think on your Facebook feed you were mentioning things about the Appalachian Trail, a little bit about a little bit about Jennifer, and uh, and so Dave and I got in contact. I'm like, what What is this? It sounds really exciting. And he explained what's going on with Jen and Fearsome. And I, I'm not gonna, you know, no spoilers here. You're gonna be amazed by what you hear. But so many connection points with, uh, you know, with with Jennifer. One of which was, you know, we decided. We'd really like to meet in person, but you know she lived in this small town in North Carolina uh, that she said I'd probably never heard of, and that would have been true if we just hadn't gotten done literally three days before our conversation. You know, 
sending our daughter to school there, Davidson, North Carolina. But, you know, the thing that probably resonated with me the most with regard to Jennifer is um, she reminds me so much in so many powerful ways of my mother. You, if you wanted to make sure my mom did something, you told her she couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She had had a spirit. She was diagnosed with leukemia, had a spirit of optimism that, that, you know, guided her through more than two times her, you know, diagnosis and life expectancy. And she had, she had 20 great years and not that she didn't have down times, but she was optimistic through it all. So anyway, just amazed with what Jennifer has done, amazed with her, her view on life, inspired by it. So when the foundation, you know, we, we did some giving, we wanted to help out with her uh, forming her own 501c3. So we we helped out with that. We helped out with some of their on-trail needs. And going forward, I'm happy to say with where we're at with the foundation now, you know, we're expanding our giving, expanding our scholarships, and we're issuing our first grants. And I'm I'm very pleased to say our first grant is going to be to Fearsome. And it's going to be an it's going to be a, a reoccurring annual grant. That's how much we believe in what she what she's about, the type of person she is. And we couldn't be uh, we couldn't be happier to be associated. So with that, I'm going to shut my trap and let you get to the real stars of the show here, Jeff. Uh, Jim, thanks for uh, that introduction. And you didn't give too much away. And since you talked about Dave kind of being the intermediary, Dave, what was it when you were talking to Jim about what he was up to that made you mention Jennifer? Yeah, I, I saw a post on Facebook that Jen, you know. You know, Jen and Jim was near, near the Appalachian Trail, and I, I just happened to comment, "Hey, I'm I'm going to hike hike the trail." And then, you know, a couple texts were exchanged, a couple Zoom calls. I, you know, I, I talked to him about Jen and her her idea to hike the trail, and you know, he he uh, asked to meet her, set up a call, and you know, you know, it just started it just it just started 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 to roll. Well, this is it's so perfect because I know. Jim's super passionate about the outdoors, and he talked about conservation, education, opportunity, and those kind of things, and the healing nature of the outdoors, uh, I know is a big deal to him and the foundation. And so for you to pick up on that, part of that community, refer him over to Jen and you guys' adventure. Jen, tell us about you a little bit. You know, how does this all connect for you? How did this all come together from your end? Um. Okay, I will try to be succinct. In 2016, I was at work. It was a Friday, and I started losing sensation in my right foot. And then that started traveling. Then it started in my left foot and traveling up. And by the end of the weekend, I had lost pretty much all function from the waist down. So I found myself in the hospital. I I spent a week in the hospital undergoing all kinds of tests. And then after I was released, undergoing physical therapy and the diagnosis from all of that ended up being multiple sclerosis. And so I worked hard to get back to regaining functionality. But I remember being in the hospital and just thinking, I just want to go home and walk my dog. You know, like I've always been a very outdoors person, a very athletic person. And the idea that I had lost the ability to walk really just shook me to my core. So as I recovered, 
one of the things that I did to try to regain, like I just, I had this desperate need to reclaim my sense of self. For me, that meant going to the woods. I had never done more than just day hikes, but I borrowed all of the gear I could. And I headed to the Smoky Mountains and I hiked 76 miles through the Smoky Mountains. And I pretty much thought I was going to die at the beginning. Uh, was shocked that I didn't, was elated when it was over, and just said to myself, that was awesome. I'm never doing anything like that again. And then in 2020, uh, there'd been some disease progression. I had moved. I had done my best to deny that I had MS. And I, I just... I didn't want to be defined by it. I didn't want to acknowledge it. I didn't want it to control my life. I certainly didn't want to think about what it meant for my future. And But when I moved to Charlotte area, it was just in time for COVID. And so as I was experiencing symptoms and on my own, really, like I finally reached out to an MS support group. And that helped me come to terms with and acknowledge that this is just Part of my life now, but I still needed to figure out how to, what that meant in my own terms. You know, like how do I assimilate this thing into my life and not let it control me, even though it can take away things at will. <laughs> and so, in twenty twenty one, I had hiked uh, in twenty twenty. Sorry, I'll back up in twenty twenty. Um, I did my longest hike, and it was a through hike of the Ozark Trail in Missouri. It was 238 miles. It was July in Missouri. MS doesn't play well with heat. Uh, also, because it was COVID, there'd been no trail maintenance. So it was overrun, overgrown. It was more of a bushwhack for 238 miles, and it was nuts. But Dave and his girlfriend, Carmen, had provided some trail support for me. and. And so when I finished that and I said to myself, wow, survived that. That was awesome. Never doing anything like that again. But in 2021, the Appalachian Trail started taking root in my mind. And so I really started thinking about what it would take. I knew at that point what I'd be asking of my body. I knew a little bit, although I think Dave would agree, until you've done it, you have no idea. <laughs> which is a good thing. Like if we knew what we were getting ourselves into, I think we would never have had the nerve to actually do it. But that being said, Dave was one of the first people that I reached out to to say, here's a crazy idea. I think I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail, but I know that I need a really big why because I know it's going to be hard and I'm going to want to quit. And I don't even know if I can do it, but I know if I can, I will. And so... He was on board from the beginning in terms of support. I didn't know until later, and I'll let him tell that part of the story, but I didn't know that he would end up hiking the trail with me as well. But I knew that I wanted to do it as an awareness raiser for multiple sclerosis, and I knew that I wanted to raise funds along the way. And uh, so I kind of came up with a very ambitious plan to to not only hike the trail, but then to document it, to do uh, advocacy and to raise, uh, raise funds. And uh, in the course, actually somebody challenged me. Somebody was helping me design the website. 
and he is a friend. When I reached out to him, he's like, do you know that I have MS as well? I'm like, you're kidding. And he's like, no, I was diagnosed when he was 19. Uh, we knew each other from high school, but it lost track of each other in the intervening years. And so it's crazy to think that the person that I reached out to for the help with the website would be somebody also afflicted with less. So he's like, I will help you with this. He said, but I have a question for you. He's like, so you're going to raise all this money for MS. He's like, how will you help a me? How will you help someone who's newly diagnosed? Maybe they're a veteran. They've lost the use of their legs. They've got two kids. They've lost their job. How are you going to help them? And that was a really powerful question because it turned the idea of what I was doing on its ear. It's like, okay, I don't want to just raise money for the big guys, even though they're doing great work. But there's a gap between what those guys are doing at the level of advocacy and, and finding a cure and where the need is on the ground, which is simple stuff mobility aids, a better rollator, you know, a beefier wheelchair, a recumbent bike so that they can still exercise, those kinds of things. How And so that's when I realized like, okay, I think now I'm actually starting a nonprofit and this is what we're going to do. We are going to raise funds and we are going to empower people to remain as independent and mobile as possible for as long as possible across five categories. A lot of that solidified over the course of the trail. Um, but that was that was the the spark that kind of created Fearsome, basically. Did you set that nonprofit up before you went on the hike? Or I did, yeah. And we raised about twenty five thousand dollars. It was actually almost closer to thirty thousand dollars over the course of the hike, which I'm really, really excited about. So Dave, tell us some of the, that's, that's amazing. And we'll get to the hike. Dave, tell us some of the stats around the hike. And, uh, I know, uh, this is for non-hikers like me. I mean, literally I had a pair of hiking boots. Jim invited me on a hike a couple of years ago. They literally fell apart. No joke. They fell apart while I was on the hike and he had to tape them back together. It's super embarrassing. So for the non-hikers like me, tell us how long this thing is, how long it takes Dave how you got involved in this thing a little bit. Sure. Uh, uh, just a couple quick stats. It's 2,198.4 miles. Uh, the, uh, the elevation is uh, equivalent to walking up and down Everest. This is, six, this is 16 times. There's about a 25% a twenty five percent completion rate, rate on, on trail. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and Jen is the only, only person in, uh, the, in uh, the U.S. to have hiked. Yeah, Appalachian Trade Trail within MS last year. That's amazing. And then, and then, as far as my my my, my involvement, uh, I got the call call from Jen. She like she said, I've got you know this crazy crazy idea. And my first thought was, I'm 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 going to go too. Wow. So it, so it took me about three three months, you know, like to think things through. And I finally called her back. And I said, Hey, I, hey, I've got a crazy idea. I I I like to hike the trail also, and then she said, "Well, how far?" And I was like, "I'm like the whole thing," and then there was cricket crickets on the other end. <laughs> so um, so yeah, so um, you know, I I made the commitment to her. Then I had to figure out how to take care of all all of my response 
all all of my responsibilities at home and between you know myself and Jen and her dad, you know we put together a proposal that, that tied in the core core values of the company that I work for, Fit Flavors. And um, you know I, I went to the owner, you know presented um, like the proposals so, 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 so I could take six months off. You know two weeks went by, she came back and said yes. And part of the proposal was that I, I you know would provide pictures, video, and blog topics, and and then in return I would still keep insurance and and get half my pay, which is un unheard. Heard That's of. amazing. That's a miracle in itself. Yeah. Right. Right. And man, I mean, I did pay paid to hike with Jen. I mean, that it's great. And your girlfriend, <laughs> maybe the bigger. I don't know which is the bigger miracle that your girlfriend allowed this or that uh, that your employer paid you while you were out. Okay, that's uh, the, those are two miracles. So by far, the most concerning and scary thing. It took me about six months to get the courage to actually talk with Carmen and say, "Hey, I'd like to go hike the Appalachian Trail because it's one thing to go out and hike yeah. with a college bu- buddy, but you know, female, you know, you know, that's a big ask." Yeah. And, for six, Carmen, months. six months alone on the trail and you know car carmen smi- um uh, um like um like smiled and said yes well and i think the w- what that speaks to is it's it's a this is a whole community effort right i mean is that right. i mean uh participation from uh people like jim and his foundation and right. uh, it, it, to your girlfriend allowing that to your employer to jen and her family and all of those things and jen that's right. a sacrifice for you professionally too Jen, how did that feel? That that community behind you. Scary. <laughs> Put a little pressure on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because you know, like you don't want to let anybody down. And yeah. but but it it was also good. And and absolutely, I could not have accomplished it. My dad provided a lot of trail support. And in fact, when one of the repercussions from MS reared its head, and I found myself in the hospital in May. And was told by the doctor, like, I just needed to stop hiking and get off trail. And I'm like, I can't. And so my dad came up and scaled way back. He basically allowed us to what's called slack pack, which means you're carrying essentially just a day pack. And we'd get dropped off at the trailhead and picked up at the end of the day, which allowed me to carry much less weight, fewer miles. I'm like, I'm okay as long as I'm still making forward progress and I'm not off trail. And it took me about a month to recover. I was put on a round of steroids and and just a lot of, you know, again, dialing back. And by the end of the month, I was good to, to go. And we hadn't lost any time. It did set us back a little bit. It was funny because Dave was right prior to like going into the hospital. He was like, so we can really, really like amp up the miles on this kind of relatively straight, easy terrain that we were about to enter. And instead it was like, nope, <laughs> MS had other uh, other ideas. And actually that's the story of the trail. You know, the diagnosis, any diagnosis that a person receives really puts you on a path that you never imagined that you would be on. And I really thought of the trail as, as a metaphor for that path. And everything from um, the trail is 14 states long. 
and it goes from Georgia to Maine. And when you get to Maine, you climb Katana. It's a mountain. It's it's the second highest place other than Clingmanstone it on the on the trail. And it's the summit experience, right? Like you get to the top and you're like, we made it. And there's all these iconic pictures of people on the sign atop Katahdin. And that was what I imagined the trip would be like. We'd start in Georgia, we'd finish in Maine, and it would be this, wow, accomplishment. I didn't want to just finish at some unmarked spot, you know, but the reality was because I have MS, because I didn't know what my pace would be, I didn't know how the heat would affect me, I didn't know all of these things. Dave and my dad really, really advocated that we needed to start midway up. And so kicking and screaming and pouting like a child. Um, but a eventually I <laughs> I acquiesced and we started in Damascus, Virginia. Best decision ever. You know, like so I think it's the lesson there is that a lot of times resiliency and adaptability are two sides of the same coin and and you don't have to be out of the game you just have to be willing to acknowledge i say like i want to respect my capacity but push my limits and that is what this did um we changed our starting point out of respect for capacity and we still had to push every limit imaginable to finish the hike but but it ended up being a good decision because we leaned into, you know, that understanding. What do you think, uh, Jennifer? I know I've heard you tell the story to the foundation before, and I know we could do a whole podcast just on the adventures you had on trail for sure. But what are maybe some of the surprises that you or things that you learned on trail, maybe about yourself, maybe about your mission to others? And what are some of those things, and, and maybe share, have some of those things affected the way you've adapted the mission going forward? So I mentioned that, you know, Fearsome came about in part because of a, a challenge that was posed to me. How are you going to help? And over the course of the trail, I think prior to starting the trail, actually prior to the apple butter, that was the kickoff event for the hike. I had never publicly stated, hi, I'm Jennifer Fear and I have MS. <laughs> you know, like, right. I never put MS and my name in proximity to each other. Mm. And over the course of the trail, in the beginning, I was very shy, um, protective of myself. I got, you know, like kind of reticent to say, hey, I'm raising funds for MS, even though that's the purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. And, and so to, over the course of the trail, what what was transformational was finally coming into my own, really, in, in terms of, of myself in juxtaposition to this disease and in terms of the mission of MS and or of fearsome and um, being able to say and actually even identifying the, the categories, the buckets, if you will, that we were going to use for empowerment. Uh, to people, really, because what I was experiencing was the healing nature of medicine. Of nature, food is my first medicine. That's something that translated into a business uh, that we're getting off the ground now. 
that was unexpected, uh, as were the other business lines. Like that was that was a byproduct that it all weaves together in terms of these businesses that in their success will provide a steady, stable stream of uh, income for the nonprofit. Because one of the things I didn't want to, one of the things that scared me about founding a nonprofit was the whole treadmill of constant fundraising, constant fundraising, and, and, and the idea that to hire somebody, I would be responsible for their livelihood, and I want to pay them what they're worth. And so that responsibility loomed large. And so again, over the course of the hike, really dialing in on both the mission of Fearsome, but also these ideas that um, would live in the for-profit world and support the furthering of that mission, all tied into me being able to say, this is what I'm doing. And, and turning something that for five years, six, help me with math, eight um, 2016, eight years, yeah. almost seven years, that for seven years, I did my best to ignore or, you know, deny. And instead turning that on its ear and saying, I'm not only going to empower myself, I'm going to find a way to turn this into something good for more people and be able to get them out into nature, be able to get them being as independent and mobile as possible for as long as possible. I mean, isn't it, 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 this kind of the idea, uh, Jim, from the beginning to empower that kind of uh, thought and behavior? Yeah, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. And, um, you know, if you don't mind, you know, and I, I think coincidence when it comes to things like this are like the roots of a tree system that we can't see. And one thing that, you know, Dave, Dave, of course, as humble as he is, underplays his role. And, you know, it seems to me, regardless of the fact that they were friends, right, and had gone to college together, I mean, Dave is effectively a nutritionist. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, it's not for me to say, and Jennifer, you're an expert in it, but my, my very ignorant understanding of it is, is that food is really important in, when it comes to MS. And to, and to, I mean, when I first heard that you were going to do this trail, I'm like, what? I know. And so to think that the person who is most inspired to be your sidekick is a person that you need, an or uh, forget the word person, a function that is so important to the success yep. of what you were trying to do. You know, I just, it, and the fact that, you know, you lived in Davidson and I was just there three days before, you know, we first spoke dropping Lily off. And the fact that, you know, it, it's anyway, I'm, t I'm, I'm babbling now, but there, there are so many coincidences here that I don't believe that they're coincidences. Correct. There's something working that we can't see. You know, I, I, I likened it to roots of a tree that are underground that support one another, but just, it's, a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. I'll, that's what you get, Jeff. No, I get it. No, it makes that that's 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 perfect. And I think why don't why don't we kind of as we get toward the end of the the story here, talk about obviously you succeeded in in getting this done. You're you're starting a few for profit businesses to kind of support the fearsome foundation. Do you call it the fearsome foundation? Let me get the name right. It's a it's not a foundation. It's just a nonprofit. Just fearsome. 
period. Right. right? And we'll, we'll, what, what's the website? We'll put it, we'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Um, it's uh, Pearson is, all one word, PearsonIs.org. Perfect. So people can find it. But maybe talk a little about that nutrition piece and how you and Dave are working on that, if you don't mind. And then take it wherever you'd like to, to kind of wrap up. So again, I had to get off of all of my drug therapies in order to do this hike. And MS is at its core a, an inflammatory disease. Your, your body is attacking itself. And so to give myself the best odds, in addition to things like starting in Damascus, it was to adopt a really, really strict anti-inflammatory diet. Uh, it's also kind of known as an autoimmune protocol diet. And Dave stepped up and he said, I got my food handled. I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into, but he did in fact handle it. And he, he created something and he called at one point and he's like, I have, I know what to call it. And he's like, you can call it fearsome fuel. And I just, I, it, I just stopped in my tracks and I'm like, Dave, that's more than just sustenance on trail. You know, like that is, that's a thing, you know, like that's a thing that is a, that's a business. That's it. That's something that we can, you know, do if you, if you want, you know, like that's something that needs to be done off trail because there's a lot of people out there fighting all kinds of different issues from celiacs to Parkinson's to, and much of it stems from some sort of inflammatory trigger. So to be able to enable, again, people to be out and about, I could not have hiked. I could not have done the hike without what he did there. I mean, hands down. And Dave, you were uniquely qualified to do this. We didn't really get into your career, but maybe talk about what you do for a living. That, that'll kind of explain it to the audience. Sure, sure. I've, I've always had a uh, had passion for cook, cooking for me. It's like an uh, expression of love. And uh, back in 2016, I had a mid 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 life crisis. You know, I went back and got a, um, like a degree in co- culinary art. And uh, I, I, you know, with the ideas that we had talked about with a uh, fearsome fuel, it was just a way for me to express my creaky creaky created activity, you know, when it comes to meals, we developed 12, 12 di- different types of meals. There were four pork, four chicken, four beef. So, Just using your skills. Right. And, and, then, and then also we're, we're, we're working at Fit Flavors. Um, I kind of got an inside view on, 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 on like the nutritional aspects and portioning and that. Gotcha. So what, what does this look like, Jennifer, three or five years from now? Oh. <laughs> too far? Should we talk about the next three months? Uh, no, what I'm, what I'm hoping to do, and actually this happened on trail two. I, I, one morning we were walking and I told Dave, my next goal for Fearsome is to raise a million dollars. And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> that might sound insane. I'm like, it's really not that much. And so I'm like, that's the goal for Pearson is to raise a million dollars. And then, like I said, I am now, um, I'm in this business incubator to to focus on Pearson Fuel in addition to 
some other startup ideas, and all of which, again, are threaded together. It's They all are around this idea of accessibility. They're all experiential, I guess, in, in nature. Um, so it's about empowerment, accessibility, nature, um, mobility and independence, basically. So, and exploration, like it's, a, it's they're, they're all kind of journeys of discovery. So um, if you will, it's like looking at, at an outfit, you know, um, and, and there might be, you know, all these components to an outfit, but when you put it together and like, ah, that's a look, right? So that's, that's fearsome overall. And I really believe that we are all fearsome, uh, of our own accord. I believe that we are fearsome because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and so what we project outwardly is because of this deep wellspring of knowing that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I all of these different ideas are ways to to give expression to that. Well, I love that. Now, I'm going to pop this last question on you. We always ask for a practical tip at the end of this podcast, and this is a little different of a podcast than we normally do, but I, I think it's, it's one that only you can answer out of the four of us. Um, I'm just thinking of somebody <clears throat> in your situation where, they either have a recent MS diagnosis, or I remember you sharing um, before we started recording uh, another time about you're kind of getting back into hiking, um, maybe as a result of, of a diagnosis. So maybe for somebody who has this diagnosis, maybe it's brand new and they're, they're a little fearful, or, or maybe they've had it for a while and feel a little closed off. Um, and, and not feeling like, uh, they're experiencing life the way they'd like to, what, what advice would you have for them? I think first, just breathe, give yourself some time to absorb it. And then rather than trying to ignore it or deny it, reach out, embrace support, uh, from family and friends, true, but reach out to an MS support group because they will get it. And their resources and um, understanding that uh, comes from being amongst people with it. I was afraid to do that because I didn't want to see people in wheelchairs or people who are blind or like I just I was afraid of that. But that's not what these MS support groups are. They're so uh, they're joyful. They're active there, and you you see a whole different side. You see that up. Uh, my future really can be what I choose to make it, even if I end up in the, you know, in a wheelchair. That's not the end at all. And chances are with the therapies that are out there and with, you know, if you do your best to stay strong, um, you can you can meet and deal with the disease as best you can on your own terms. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Hopefully everybody has enjoyed this story as much as I have, hearing the waterfall effect of generosity uh, affecting so many people. And I am certainly blessed to have heard the story today, and I know many other listeners will be. I just want to thank you, Jennifer, for being with us. And, uh, and Dave and Jim, as always, uh, thanks for being with us, all of you.
And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.